This is the Chi Chat Podcast with, with Chiquita Searle. So it is that time of the day. Get excited as it's your favorite dating segment for the week, the Unhinged on Hinge. Again, I'm not sure if this is a trademark violation, but we shall continue undeterred until we are either sponsored or sued, ideally the former. Today's guest, young female entrepreneur and OnlyFans content creator, Avalon Hope. Welcome, Avalon, and thanks so much for being with us today. Hi, thank you so much for having me on the show. So, Avalon, I have been looking forward to this chat all week. And I'm just going to delve right in. Go for it. Very good. So you've been quite entrepreneurial since you were 15. Um, You decided to launch, I mean, out of, I'm not sure where, but I'm going to ask you, Mm -hmm. an online magazine called High Gloss. So what made you decide to do this and what was the magazine about? Correct. So um, High Gloss magazine started when I was 15. Um, It actually started as like a blog that I was running. I saw a few other, you know, this is like early stage Instagram a few years ago now. And there are a few other like people in my hometown, Newcastle, that were, you know, running their own blogs. And I was like, if they're doing it, why can't I? That's it. So I started running my own blog and, you know, typing up my own think pieces and whatnot. And it actually all came about because I swore in class one day. I dropped the C bomb <gasps> and, of course, got very in trouble. very Australian of you. It is. But we got onto the topic of like where that word came from and why it's the most offensive word in the English language. And yet it direct, directly relates to female genitalia. And I was like, okay. Um, that's not on. So I started writing this piece and, you know, it evolved. I had a few people working with me that were just like friends at school and yeah, it evolved and grew. And I had at one point, I think I had like 10 photographers globally. And then I had five writers dedicated to monthly releases and no one had any idea that I was like 16 years old, you know, in between school on lunch breaks, like typing it up, signing off like director, CEO of High Gloss Magazine. And here I am like, oh my God. That is quite the undertaking. And the fact that you (laughs) grew it to such a big team so quickly when you were 15, 16 years old. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. But yeah, it was a feminist magazine and we were dedicated to talking about social issues um, and injustices that we wanted to see change on and helping younger people understand what was going on and what we can do to to make a change. So from owner and editor of an online magazine to stripping then is a rather unusual career segue. It absolutely is. So how did this stripping come about for you? So um, as you know, you know, on social media quite a bit. And I remember I was um, scrolling on Tumblr, which is a photo sharing platform. And um, yeah, I remember seeing this picture of these two girls with these ridiculously long nails under these neon lights holding just like wads of cash. And I was like, what is that? I want a bar of it. Hook me up. Exactly. So I clicked on the little hashtag and it was like stripper. And from there, I just started reading. And back in the day, Tumblr was like the hub for all sex workers sharing tips, tricks, safety, you know, things. And um, yeah, I started reading. And from there, I was like, oh my goodness, no one's ever going to know. I'm going to get my money up. I'm going to, you know, get the most incredible crash course in sales and like business running. Um, The minute I turn 18, that's what I'm going to do to afford my career and get me started. And so when I turned 18 into it. So were you still in Newcastle at that point? Yes, I was. And I was commuting three hours each night, driving to Sydney to work eight hours, nine hours a shift, and then drive home in the early hours of the morning. You are kidding. How did you stay awake? (laughs) So That is incredible. When did you sleep? Just during the day and then you repeated it it all over again? Yeah. So I would be working three nights a week um, and then that was three nights a week over the weekend. Then I was working, you know, a normal day job and still running the magazine. It was a lot. And then there was one time where I almost did fall asleep at the wheel. And after that, I was like, that's 
it. That's my and I remember, call. well, I messaged Literally. two different clubs in Queensland, rural Queensland, and I was like, whichever one gets back to me first, I'm going. And one club got back to me before the other by like four minutes, and I booked my flights. Didn't even have enough money Where for the ticket Where in rural home. Queensland did you go? Mackay. <gasps> I'm from Mackay. No, you're I not. I grew up in Mackay. Oh, my Which God. one? Showbar. <gasps> no. Showbar. And that was my, f- still to this day, my favourite club I've ever worked in. Falling apart. We only did you get ev- all the miners coming in from Moorumbar, and, and they're flashing their cash? So much fun. Oh I've gosh. never had so much fun in my life than working there. And you'd fly up, you would be in the stripper house. So they actually had a dedicated house just full of bunk beds and rooms for women that would come from all around the country, fly in, stay for have, however long. You'd work five nights on, you'd have two nights off. And then that was it. And so I what feel- kind of coin were you making in five nights? It re- That's the thing, right, with stripping. It really depends. And I remember like, you know, every time I'd get an Uber into work, I'd be like, well, we have more in common than you think. You start off your night because you make that initial investment with the petrol that you put in your tank. I have to pay $200 at the door to work. I also have to pay for my outfits, my hair, makeup, tan, everything, right? It's a few hundred dollars investment to work when you show up. So you're in debt. It depends on if the moon's out, if the grass is green, if there's a football show on, if there's raining. Literally, it'll affect everything. But the kind of money you'd make, you know, some nights you'd make nothing, literally not a cent, right? And other nights you'd walk away with like two grand in your hand. So would you get paid, um, was it tips only or would you get paid to... No, so you pay for your dancers. You pay it, for your spot. You pay for... So as a private contractor, mm-hmm. technically you're paying to work on the premise, right? Like a personal trainer at a gym. Exactly. Okay. But it's really different depending which state you're in and which club you're working at. So throughout all of the clubs I've worked at in Victoria, very much so you pay your door fee and then whatever you earn, you get. And if you book a VIP dance, which is like a half an hour, hour-long private room show the club will take a cut. Okay. But if you're just doing normal, regular in like the, the lap room dances, you get to keep all of that. You get to keep all of your tips. Okay. Do you get to drink for free at the very no. least? No, no. Really? You have Are you to, allowed to drink? Absolutely. You're allowed okay. to drink, but you have to encourage your customers to buy your drinks for you. Of course. Yep. Of course. And so when you decided to... So how long were you in Mackay for then? How long did you... I did Mackay, I think, for like three months. Yes. So it wasn't straight. I would like fly up for a few weeks, come home, fly back, um... And then, yeah, with that, with me working there in Mackay, saved up enough money to afford moving to Melbourne. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's what I did. I was like 16, sorry, not 16, 18, a few months, packed up my entire life into my car and drove down. So when you decided to um, pursue stripping, did you tell family and friends about it or did did. you share it? Yeah, I told my mother and I told my friends um, and they were all incredibly supportive. Of course, along the way, we've lost a few family members that were upset with it and also friends, but I'm like... All right, you're lost. Bye. <laughs> Did you um, – I just want to talk about a little bit about misogyny mm-hmm. within the stripping community. Oh, well, not the stripping community, I guess the, the customer community. So yeah. did you experience any misogyny as a stripper or did you find it more of an empowering experience as a young woman with full body autonomy? Um, it really depends on how you take it. I feel like – as a sex worker, it really is empowering because I work for my hours, my time, but you have, you know, the entire societal pressure of everyone with, you know, looking at underneath the patriarchy that, yeah, it's like, oh my goodness, you're scum, you're less than us. And at times the work is so difficult that it really is like, wow, I am suffering. And I feel like in the community with other women as well, we always have to preach this, like, I'm killing it. I'm making millions. I'm above everyone to almost keep morale because sometimes it really is difficult. Is it quite a competitive industry or do Um, women support each other more so? It's both. It really is both. I mean, 
quite more often than not that there is a lot more support. I've never had, you know, a, a sisterhood or friendships or a, such a close knitted community like this. But yeah, of course, in any industry where there's money involved and opportunities, there is competition. So you mentioned the word sex, sex worker or the phrase sex worker. So can yes. we speak to that? term for a moment. Yes, of course. So when you gave me quite the education when we chatted earlier this yes. week, can so I'd like you to share that education with our listeners. Absolutely. Um, so what does it mean and what comes under the sex worker umbrella? Of course. So sex worker is an umbrella term which categorizes every kind of um, work or service being provided where someone is being perceived in a sexual way and getting payment in in some way there's an exchange going on so a stripper an OnlyFans girl a sugar baby an escort they are all different types of sex workers so you have what like it, it's broad and what they the services they provide are all very different so like an escort full service sex worker I'm sure you can understand full service all the way through to like a cam girl or an OnlyFans girl where you're you know interacting with them online seeing you're paying to view content so, do you remember, how do you feel, when you made the, the transition, I suppose, from working on the uh, editing and being an owner of a magazine into mm-hmm. the sex work industry, did you struggle with that in terms of your identity or did, is it something you embraced immediately or did you really struggle to, be, to come, even though you wanted to do it and felt empowered by it, did you ever struggle with the, the identity yes, of it? Yes and no. Um, I mean... As a young woman, I had no idea where I wanted my career to go. I know that I was very politically invested and, you know, if you were to try and pursue a legitimate political career or anything serious like that, you, one, either wouldn't have the opportunity because of being a sex worker or everything you do will be inherently attached to the fact that you were a sex worker. So I was grateful at first that I didn't um, publicize that I was dancing in any capacity for the first two years. And it wasn't until I went live um, with my OnlyFans that that's when I associated the Avalon Hope brand, modeling image, all of that with what I was actually doing. Um, and I was, I was nervous at first, but, you know, I really sat with it and I couldn't imagine ever one working for someone else. <laughs> and two, <God> forbid. <laughs> and two, if I was to, I wouldn't want to work for someone that didn't support me because of my history and what I'd done. It's like, I'm a better salesman than you. What are you talking about? You probably earn more money than them too, let's be honest. (laughs) This is Cheat Chat with with Chiquita Searle. Uh, So if you are just joining us, we are here in studio with X-Stripper, oh my gosh, and OnlyFans content creator Avalon Hope. Thank you again, Avalon, for being here. Hi. So let's talk OnlyFans. Yes. So before we do, I want to provide some context on what OnlyFans is. I did some Googling. Great. And OnlyFans is a subscription site that lets content creators monetize their influence. So there are a multitude of content creators on the site, including personal trainers, chefs, and poets. However, the most notable are those who are using it to share more explicit content with their fans for a monthly subscription fee. So is that a fair assessment? That's perfect. That's exactly what it is. Oh, great. So Google <laughs> is delivering. Yes. So how did you discover OnlyFans? I discovered OnlyFans a few years ago, I think just like through popularity, seeing other models, other sex workers, you know, starting accounts and getting on board and creating content and making bank from it. So you were stripping at the time. Correct. And so you then decided to move across from stripping into onto OnlyFans. So That's correct. Before you did so, were there any hesitations? Because at that stage you mentioned before you not you weren't out your brand yes. your Avalon your Avalon Hope brand wasn't attached to sex work at that yeah. time. But making the transition over to OnlyFans were publicly 
Well, I was scared of, yeah, what, you know, people would perceive um, and think about it and if it would damage my brand, my reputation. I currently was signed under a modeling agency as well. And I was just like, oh, my goodness, what is this going to do? And that's why I didn't jump on straight away. You know, I really saw how it played out and what was going on. So did you subscribe as a user first and watch other people's content before just making that decision? Yes, I did. Yeah. Um, And even still, when it was time for me to, you know, go live and, you know, create my account, I still didn't choose OnlyFans straight away. I chose another platform called Admire Me and I was with them for a little over a year. No, no, that's not true. About eight months because I was scared of the OnlyFans reputation. And then it was about a year ago that I switched over to OnlyFans because it has so many more users and because of its popularity. And I think that there is a lot more, not necessarily um, acceptance around women creating on OnlyFans, but there are a lot more conversations being had, clearly. I mean, I'm here. (laughs) So there are a lot more conversations around OnlyFans and I was like, all right, that's fair. I'm going to do this. So besides the fear, I suppose, of the brand, your brand being affected, Mm -hmm. were there any other hesitations that you had before moving across? Yeah, of course. I mean, if I'm going public as being a sex worker, I was concerned. I do have like younger siblings and I was concerned about them with their schoolmates, if they found out and how that was going to go. And luckily, you know, they're both very politically um, educated and and progressive. Absolutely. So any issues that they've had, they've shut down straight away and they're just like, I'm not hearing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I love my sis. I'm proud of her. She makes more money than your dad. Stop talking. So <laughs> she could buy your house. That's exactly right. But no, it's um, yeah. It was definitely a consideration and a fear of mine. And as time has gone on, there, yeah, it's completely dissolved. So once you committed to it, how quickly did your account take off? Um, look, at first, for the first few months, I was making regular like income. I was making maybe six, seven hundred dollars a week. It was normal, like any normal job. And it wasn't until so that's the thing with OnlyFans. If you're going to start to create an account, it's more than just opening an account and uploading content. You have to have multiple other platforms that are driving an audience to that platform consistently. So for me, that meant Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And um, I was very grateful that I had two videos in the same week. I was doing well on my TikTok, but there were two videos in the same week that both went viral, clocked over 5 million views each. That's 10 million new people that have seen my face. That boosted my Instagram from like 30, 40,000 followers to like 100,000. And then this also switched over to, of course, bumping the amount of people that were subscribed on my platform. So tell us about those videos then. What were the two videos that went viral? So one of them was actually talking (laughs) about my... Um, tatas and the other one in my bosom and the other one was talking that was so that one it was like the pros and cons about you know having the size that I do and how it hurts my back and like issues like that and then like also being told that I look like I'm in my 30s when I'm like 21 it's like I remember this I was at the strip club and I remember one night it was I was about to turn 19 I went around to all of my regulars because it was my birthday the next day I've been lying to them of course because you don't tell anyone your actual age I've always been 24 <laughs> but I was like oh you know it's my birthday tomorrow how old do I look do you want to know what the general could like the consensus oh was? god I'm scared 29 <gasps> Oh, I was turning nineteen, and ego. I promise, I promise, you don't look twenty nine. For everyone that's listening on air, and I'm, I've promise, got glasses, so I'm looking yeah. at you through four eyes. I don't look that haggard. I promise. Oh my gosh, but- she doesn't. I can vouch. <laughs> I can totally vouch. So speaking of driving um, traffic from socials, yes. I don't know specific numbers, but I know you have quite a large following on Instagram. So you've got about one hundred fifty k thereabouts, and so I can only assume that your subscription base for OnlyFans is also significant. So how did you build your fan base? Um, and was it initially hard to trans- transition your fans from Instagram to OnlyFans? 
I was lucky with the um, initial following that I had on my platforms because I'd been doing Instagram since I was 15. And as creepy as it is to say, I think that there are a lot of followers that were like, oh my God, we have been waiting to see anything since like I've been following you for years. Like it's here finally. So yeah, there was that excitement. Christmas came early. Of course. And I mean, I've been dedicating a lot of time, energy and effort to my social media presence since I was young with actual modeling and photo shoots. Like I was directing a little creative agency for a while there as an offshoot of the magazine because I wasn't getting booked with my modelling agency. So I was like, okay, I'll do it myself. So, <laughs> Do you think you weren't getting booked because of... I wasn't getting booked because of the size of my bosom. Really? Uh, absolutely, because I... It's not an advantage? And no, because Is they... It? No, not at by any means because you, you need to fit... Can you take me through that? Because, oh. So that you need to fit stock standard clothing. Oh, what's and, a, oh. and they're like, okay, you have a size 16, like what a girl that would be a size 16, boobies, but you are a dress size 10. So you're one, you're not skinny enough for runway. You're not quite curved, but we're going to put you in the curve category. And also you're two inches too short for everything. Love your face, <laughs> love your style. This isn't going to work. And also with modeling, if you're not one of the top um, models within the first few months of signing you, they just put you on the shelf and forget about you. So uh, just a question. Can you, I don't know, is there a kind of, um, I don't actually know how to phrase this question, but do you know who the biggest earners on OnlyFans are? Is there kind of a leaderboard? Um, no. To drive as, competition? Yeah, not as such as a leaderboard. So to drive competition, you do have a percentage. It mm. lets you know like what percentile you're in of creators. Oh. So I'm in the top 0.4% of creators. Globally? Yes. Wow. For the, for the week. It updates weekly, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, but in saying that, right, I know it's a big wow moment. There are people that are sitting in the 0.01%. Okay. So, and... That is like, there are women out there I know for a fact that are making hundreds of thousands of dollars a week. No. Yeah, straight up. Oh my God. And where's my, where's my, where is this app? <laughs> I know. And they're like, that's the thing though, that a lot of these women that are doing that as well though, um, um, like what I would call like voyeurs in the mm. community. So they're like pop stars. They're your Bella Thorns or Cardi B's or whatever. They're on to be fair, Cardi B. Fans. Yes. Wow. Yes. There's a whole, um, She's taking WAP to a whole new level. Well, the thing is, she's not doing explicit content, as you say. Like, there is content on there that's she's there just dropping gossip and BTS behind her music videos and stuff like that. And and fans would pay for that. Absolutely. But exclusive. There have been a lot of um, scandals in the press recently with these, you know, actresses or whatever, people that are voyeurs coming in, starting in OnlyFans and being like, here's some explicit content. And it's just like a bikini picture that they already have posted on Instagram and they've charged $200 for it. And then what this does is it actually really ruined a lot of the payouts and a lot of the younger sorry not younger a lot of the smaller creators really suffered for a while there because of some of these big names the amount of refunds that were asked for and chargebacks that were happening meant the only fans was actually in like a a deficit and all of these smaller creators didn't get to withdraw their payouts for like two weeks this meant that people were losing like rent weren't being able to pay bills and it's just like this is like the miseducation of what it means to be on this platform because there are people on there actually running businesses and there are voyeurs that are coming through to be like, I'm going to make my two cents or $2 million. So what's the difference then between a voyeur and a business owner? I mean, oh, there is no difference. It's more so as me being as me being gatekeepy, mm. being like, all right, if you don't, if you haven't earned your stripes you're to be If you're going to be clickbaity, here, then that's exactly <laughs> please right. remove yourself. That's exactly right because it's unfair to the customers mm. when you think that they're going to be getting one product and then not getting it. And it's unfair to 
all of us that have worked really, really hard to get where we're at, to just have someone come in. I want to talk to that actually because content creation is actually very hard work and it's very um, all-consuming. So can you tell us uh, about Take us through the day in a life of being a content creator and what you would do to put up your OnlyFans content. So do you have a team you work with? What kind of things are you doing? Yeah, well, uh, every Monday I sit down and I schedule my posts for like the next two weeks. So that takes a few hours. From there, though, throughout the week, I will have up to three different shoots, photo shoots happening, all of which take hours with the hair, makeup. You've got to do the design, set styling, all of it. And that's, you know, planning stuff that's not just for OnlyFans, but for all of your other social medias, like I said, to keep it all running. Um, I work with a bunch of different people to make sure all of this happens. And um, yeah, even still, you've got to interact with all of your subscribers. There's custom content that they can order that, you know, you you set your price for, you create. Um, so let's explore that a little bit more then. Custom yeah. content. So what um, what kind of, just generally speaking, yeah. what kind of custom content would a fan potentially um, ask for? Yeah, I mean, it really depends on what you're into, I guess. But yeah, custom content more so is like a one-on-one personal experience with content instead of like a mass send out a video that's going to, you know, thousands of people. It's like, oh, hi, Avalon. Uh, my name's Josh. I would really love to hear you say my name in a video. Can I see this? Can you do this? You know, this is what I like. Um, Here's X, Y, Z. You get paid for it. And um, yeah, you give them their content. So can I ask, um, and this is just a generally speaking Mm -hmm. term, but can I ask what kind of content you share in your account? Because from my understanding, there's a range from relatively conservative to quite explicit. So where do you fall on the spectrum? For me, I do all um, topless and implied nudity content. So nothing, you know, extra hardcore. And even still, just a quick moment to speak to that, that there is nothing wrong with anyone that does. And this is like not internalized misogyny or being like girls that do more are gross. It's honestly just where my boundaries are what I'm comfortable with and what I enjoy creating um, and that's it and there are other girls out there I mean I think it's so funny when people come to me and they get you know aggy in my DMs being like why aren't I seeing this I want to see this I'm like well that's good for you but there are literally hundreds and thousands of other creators that do that and will do it so much better than I can go sub to them <laughs> exactly uh, so do you have any really diehard fans who follow you every, your every move and contact you regularly daily yes I do and I have a few fan accounts as well and it's really sweet I mean do you follow them yeah I do I do and I interact with them regularly and it's really strange to see are these they run people. by women or men they're run by men okay yeah they're run by men and even still like um, on my only fans there will be the diehards that I have on TikTok there are the ones that always always interact with Instagram and there are some that follow me over all platforms and you know will tip to talk to me or even just be like wow I love this photo that you shared here's five ten fifteen whatever it is can you tell us about the revenue model so how is it actually set up because my understanding i was actually listening to i don't know if you've heard of she's on the money podcast victoria divine and so i was listening to her uh, a podcast by victoria one day and she had a young woman from melbourne on and this young woman has a full-time job but she also has an OnlyFans account which she started during covid and i was just so impressed with this young woman because she's got a full-time job and she does OnlyFans as her side hustle and she was saying that she um, is making, I think, in her subscription, it's 11k a month, and then that's not including the custom content that she al- al- also does. And she doesn't touch a cent of it. She saves it all. She's saving for a house, and she just lives on her full time wage, which is an amazing. Which I structure. thought was incredible. I just was so impressed at her enterprising nature. Absolutely. Now, the way it works, it's, yeah, subscription-based platform, so you pay to enter to unlock the So, say, $10 a month? Yep. 
mine mindset at I think fifteen. Yeah. Right. Cool. Um. So yeah, you pay to unlock that. Then you get you know the main feed, which is like an Instagram. You scroll through. There will be videos. There'll be photos. Whatever you know that creator it wants to share. Whatever I share. And then in actual private messages, that's when you have unlockable content. So that might be like longer videos, more explicit content, or like premium content that people can then pay to unlock. And you can set that from anything from three dollars to like a hundred and fifty dollars to unlock. So when they message you, do they have to pay to message you? No, no, no. No, you they can, can just private message and can, then they will use that private message to ask for a custom Yep, or even video. just chat or mm-hmm. let me know what's going on. Yep. It's literally like the same as a DM would work, right? And then instead of me, you know, messaging back, I can message back for free. And sometimes it's like instead of sending just a picture, you click the little lock button and it's like they if you can choose to unlock that content for five, ten, whatever dollars it is. And that's it. And then they're welcome to send tips as well. Mm. Yes. I'm loving this. <laughs> I'm learning so much, Avalon. This is the Chi Chat Podcast. So I am in studio with young female entrepreneur and OnlyFans content creator Avalon Hope, who is giving us a glimpse into her life as a sex worker and online business owner. So I kind of want to speak briefly. What were we talking about before the break? Sorry, was there anything we needed to unpack more? No, I think we pretty much wrapped it up. I was talking about the structure of OnlyFans and the payment and how all of that works. Oh, yes. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, so moving on, I just want to speak to... Um, having romantic relationships when you are working in this industry. So you had a partner for approximately two years who was with you through your stripping career and also he was the one who actually suggested you start your OnlyFans account. So can you take us through what it was like to have a relationship as a sex worker? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, initially that was something that I was always fearful of about going into sex work as well with being like, oh my God, if I strip, is my partner like going to trust me? Will a man ever want me? Oh my God. Oh God. (laughs) There are other things to worry about, sweetheart. Um, but no, he was amazing. Um, he was incredibly supportive the whole time. And of course, that there are going to be people that are, um, you know, jealous or insecure in the relationship. It really comes down to a lot of communication and trust. And so initially it was like, yeah, I'm literally, it's a, it's a job. I'm not doing this to, you know, go get off or have fun. I, of course, I enjoy my work, but yeah, it's a, it's a job. And that's the number one thing to realize about sex work in any capacity. Everyone that is doing it, it's a job. So did he experience any insecurities throughout the relationship? No, he absolutely trusted me because he knew that I was, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm a very honest person. I say what I mean. And yeah, he did. And I really appreciate him for giving me that trust because I remember, you know, in the locker room getting ready for work and there would be girls crying, talking about their boyfriend did this or broke up and that. And I'm just like... Oh my goodness, I love that my relationship was so drama-free like that, that none of the issues ever stemmed from me and what I did. And he was always so supportive, you know, if I've had a rough night, he was always there for me, um, always made sure that I was like as upbeat, positive as possible. And yeah, like I said earlier in the conversation this week was he actually sat down with me and helped me open up my OnlyFans profile. And, you know, I did camming for like three minutes, pretty much. It was a very brief moment, but he helped me set up my whole profile with that and yeah, really understood that. I love that. So what precipitated the end of that relationship? Um, We just grew apart. We really did. I mean, what can you expect from two people that were like 20 years old? Um, That's going to happen. But yeah, my absolute first love, and I think towards the end of it, I realized that we came from, yeah, very different backgrounds. I came from you know, dirt poor, nothing, hustled my way with everything that I've got. And he was very, very privileged. And um, yeah, when I started to see that I had real success, I think that he got very uncomfortable with that. And there were a lot of um, internal things that he had to work on because it 
it seemed like on my behalf at least that he was jealous of what I was earning and I think that that is also something that does happen in relationships with a sex worker and non-sex worker is that people are like how are you getting all this money it's so easy for you I have a set structure like I'm mad about this and you will actually see in relationships as well um that you know if it's a content creator dating a photographer or whatever these men will always try and cut in like try and get a cut and that did happen at one point in the relationship COVID hit I was you know content creating 24 7 and uh, my ex was like if I start taking photos for you can I like can I get some money? And I was like, yeah, babe, as soon as you actually learn how to work a photographer, you download all of the editing tools, you learn how to edit these, you know, photos, and then you gain a following over like 100K. So it's actually an asset for me to work with you. Yeah, then you can get paid. Then Until we can then, talk. you're still taking photos. So start and, hustling, like, buddy. Yeah, you've got work to do. It's not as simple as you just picking up your iPhone, you know, camera and taking pictures. No. And that's actually... Um, something that has happened recently that I have seen um I on my Instagram at the moment just yesterday outed a photographer that worked uh shooting OnlyFans content and this man I was like "Mm, I've been chasing him for seven months for these photos posted about it and I have had over 40 women open up in my DMs about how they he assaulted them he tried to get them drunk tried to pressure them into threesomes never got photos from him I am still like things are looking pretty serious I'm not going to discuss any further because I feel like this will actually escalate that's apparent but oh my god and that's something that you really have to be careful in this industry there are men in every single which way that will either try and get a cut or take advantage of you and it's about vetting your photographers vetting who you're working with you know doing research on reading your contracts because there is so much going on here that it's not as simple even with OnlyFans you will have I've had so many managers come and knocking at the door like hi can I take 30% and I promise I'll make you $100,000 in two minutes and I'm like no, absolutely not. And what are you going to do for that? They're like, oh, we're just going to rig the system a little bit. It's like, no, get mind your business. This is my content, my body. You're not getting a slice of this. Absolutely not. So is your team made up of only women or? No, actually, it's not. <laughs> they, the one photographer so there are some men in the industry that you would trust really and trust. who work closely with me yep. and I have heavily vetted all of these people um, as well because you have to you have to know that you can trust them and they haven't done anything dodgy and it's like okay you're a good person I can trust you to work with me in this capacity and it is this industry it's a lot of collaboration and sometimes you do get to vet and other times you don't and especially with everything that's happened politically at the moment um, with ending the violence against women and the talk of that in parliament this even reflects so deeply into the the sex worker community and knowing okay who are we working with so many photographers over the past week have had to release statements or delete instagram accounts because it's like oh yeah i did drug that girl after i shot with her and yeah i did assault her Mm, sorry it's crazy yeah wow i am just sitting here you can't see me probably best because my mouth is quite open so yes i just need to main, re- retain my or regain my composure i'm just mortified i'm so no, mortified i mean why. i've obviously heard about those things in the um, modeling industry but it's sometimes really hard to hold people accountable and i think that's one thing i love about social media these days that you can actually hold people accountable and, and with the platform i have as well yes with the platform also kudos to you for doing it because taking that on is it's quite an emotional and mental load to bear and I'm pleased that 40 women came forward to support you in in that and share their stories because I think the power of the voice uh, absolutely it's the collective it is completely so were there any fears being single and dating again no I'm loving it 
Single, ready <laughs> I'm to loving it. I think as well, um, you know, I, out, out being clubbing and whatever, meeting people, when they're like, oh, what do you do? It's like, yeah, no, I do OnlyFans. If they have any kind of reaction to that, I, I find it comical now. I'm like, really? You're, you're how old and you're upset about this? Like, no. And that's what I mean. Like, when you... I've, I've got everything that I need myself. Yeah. So I just um, want to ask, do you believe it's harder to find a partner in your line of work? Do you think that some men fetishize dating a sex worker and do you ever feel the need to question their motivations if they do ask you on a date? Absolutely. That is something that you really do have to, you know... Um talk to them about and that was something that I was so happy with in my past relationship is that it was very clear that this man wasn't dating me to be like oh I'm dating a stripper like my girlfriend's a stripper she's freaky it's like no no she was like oh you know that's that's her job and that is definitely like what some men um fetishize in the community or whatever and I mean there are girls that are fine with that it just depends on what you're okay with me personally No, I wouldn't tolerate that. (laughs) So we have had a couple of listeners message in, so brace yourself. I'm ready. Okay, so we've um, had someone message, what were your clients' fantasies? Oh my goodness, what weren't they? I mean, that's the thing with dancing, with OnlyFans, with all of it. You become very desensitized to like the spectrum of um, arousal and what turns people on. And yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of what I can share. Were there any common themes? Oh, common things like taboo, like the most popular like categories that people are like um, teacher, you know. Oh, role playing. Yeah, role play. So teacher student. Teacher student. You have nurse like doctor or nurse, nurse doc- patient. Yes, you have like the step daddy, step daughter kind of thing. Absolutely. Um, you get a lot of people that are really into being dominated as well. A lot of men, especially in the strip club, like I used to get around in thigh high latex boots that were like you know eight inches, and you'd get men that would come in and be like, please can you like kick me I want you to hit me like I'm gonna pay you have you ever considered becoming a dominatrix oh I do a little bit of stuff like that but in person there is a lot of training that you have to go through to really become a qualified dominatrix I'd get I'd get carried away I'd forget their safe word (laughs) (laughs) and that's something that you cannot do that's bad practice I know it's why I'm not going to go down that path no so another question um a listener wanted to ask if you suffered any abuse from in the brothels and I think potentially they're meant within the stripping community because you yes. to be clear you haven't worked in a brothel no I've never done mm. full service sex work and I haven't worked in a brothel um, but yeah no of course I mean there are so many times that you know my boundaries were violated and also the strip clubs viol- like boundaries because you're not allowed so to touch so how did you handle that when they were violated so quite often you just go when you get into the dance room hey you're not allowed to touch these areas if you do you're getting kicked out and if they do you, I, it's like a good smack. <laughs> you get a good smack across the face and I will hold you by your throat and be like, okay, if you do that again, you're really going to get in trouble. So is there the support the uh, within the club to... There is the, the security guard. Um, um, them accountable patrons. for their... Actions, yeah, Poor of course. You, if you misbehave, you will get kicked out, and mm. in extreme cases, you will be banned from that club as okay, well and good. not allowed to return. So it was a quite. Was it? A, did you feel safe in those absolutely. environments? I absolutely did. And if anything, I've never felt more encouraged to punch on with a man in my life because <laughs> then you know all the girls are watching. The security guards sometimes they're like, "Look, we're going to turn a blind eye. That man deserved it." So it's, yeah, we've got another question. Uh, any celebrity clients? No. I mean, like, there are celebrities in my DMs that have subscribed to my OnlyFans. I'm not going to name drop because I like keeping my relationship with these people. Oh. Um, were you were you chuffed when you saw? Oh, absolutely. Are they uh, Australian celebrities? or No, international. International. Would yeah. we know who they were? Yes, you would. 
Sure. Oh, I want to keep asking questions. Music industry kind of people. Really? Is it John Mayer? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not that John man. Mayer. I can, I can <laughs> confirm it's not John Mayer. Okay. Uh, subscribing to my OnlyFans. Uh, I promise you. Okay. Is the is the man married? I'm no more comments. Oh, no Avalon, more. Avalon. No. It's yes, for the listeners. I know it's for the listeners, but um, no, I actually haven't had any strip club celebrity, you know, celebrities come through. I have actually had people come through celebrities come through to the clubs I was working at but I wasn't working that night or whatever's gone on and I've had I've heard stories but no not personally we've had another listener question so how long does Avalon hope to continue stripping I think they mean only fans Fans. is it sustainable in the long term it really is I mean for me personally I always uh, made a pact with myself that I wanted to be done stripping by the time I was 21 and I finished up when I was like 19 and a half so I was grateful for that but even with only fans I actually follow some creators um, that are just on Instagram, but they're Australian-based women that are well into their 50s and 60s, creating content and making bank. I'm so impressed by that, really. Yeah, and even in the strip clubs, the the top earners, the women that would make the most were over their 50s, oh, have been stripping this. their whole lives. I'll let my mum know. Oh my- <laughs> like you Sherry, should because it's get the whole this. MILF Retired thing. Dad. It's the whole MILF thing. And also wow. these women have had years of experience where you it, it would just blow my mind that you'd spend half an hour trying to, you know, book a dance with a customer. And um, yeah, these women, within 30 seconds of them talking to these guys, they're booked. It's crazy. So yeah, it, there is such longevity. There is maybe um, a different perception that you will have and a different client base. But yeah, there is longevity in this... I personally don't intend on continuing this past my... Well, until I get bored with it, until I'm done with it, until other ventures... Well, how long is a piece of string then? That's exactly right. I have a feeling that this is the first we're going to be hearing... Not the last we're going to be hearing from Avalon Hope. We have had another listener question. So when did you make your first million? Oh, my goodness. Um, when I was 10. No. <laughs> no, we haven't hit the million yet, but I have it's, made a promise. I mean, I'm 21 now. Promise to myself, first million will be made under 25. So what are your thoughts on tennis player Bernard Tomic starting an OnlyFans account with Ooh. his girlfriend Vanessa Sierra? Are they having relations on there? I don't know. I haven't subscribed. I haven't seen it. I know that they do collab content. I don't think it's hardcore. I think it's just some, like, him, you know, hanging out with her while she's in her bikini-type beat. I'm mm-hmm. not sure, though. Maybe some of our listeners can confirm that. But, um, actually, no, I'm not going to goss, but I have heard some some stuff about their relationship and, yeah, a bit messy. Really? Yeah, just a little bit. I mean, it's not to do with the OnlyFans. I think that them just being as, um, like, high profile as they are in Australia and the interest that they have from other people, yeah, it is what it is. So, um, we are at the end of our hour. That just went so quickly. I have That's so many other... Um, I'm going to have to have you back because I have so many other <laughs> questions to ask you. I didn't even get through half of them. But how can our listeners connect with you? Absolutely. So, the best place to come and find me is on my Instagram, which is at Avalon Hope. You can also find me on Twitter and TikTok with similar variations of that. There'll be a dot or a dash somewhere. But if you look up Avalon Hope, you'll find me. And uh, same with the OnlyFans. Just a quick Google search. Avalon Hope official and um, yeah come say hey let me know that you heard me on the show I would love that actually I want some feedback to see whether this was a good lead Jen yes Um, so thank you thank you thank you for your company today thanks for having me this is the Cheat Chat Podcast